This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. And so my answer was, cooking was the first thing that I did that I wasn't afraid to fail at. Because I had really bad social anxiety as a kid. Um, I have now what I know as panic attacks pretty frequently. Um, I was always afraid to mess up. And so, and I had that even with things that I enjoyed. But when I was cooking, I would mess up and it would just like drive me to be better tomorrow in excitement as opposed to out of fear. My name is Jen. My name's Abby. And this is Amuse Boosh. Oh, man. I am so excited for the guests that we have. Yeah, you better be. In the studio today. I am, too. You know, we we met this guest for the very first time at the NC Chef Showdown. Yes, we did. We were chatting with our friend Oscar. Uh, and it, it's a place where I feel like we had the opportunity to meet so many cool people, mm-hmm. but all over the state, so that we connected with somebody who is right here in Charlotte. Exactly. Well, that's what I was going to say, because Oscar was the previous year's winner, and we went out to say, hey, and he goes, hey, I got somebody you need to meet. Yeah, yeah. And we said, who? And he just gestured right over on the couch, and then there is Chef Kyle. Welcome, Chef Kyle Johnson, Executive Chef of Community Matters Cafe. Thank you all for having me. Yeah, we, we're so happy to have you here. Um, we were really excited just to learn more about Community Matters Cafe. I had yeah. heard about it, but I'd never really, I'd never been there, and I had never really dug in and learned a little bit about it. So I'm really excited to get this opportunity to share mm-hmm. more about Community Matters Cafe and also you as a chef. Yeah, now, absolutely. To start, I have to ask, initially when we came outside and the introduction was sort of forced upon you, I saw a cloud of hesitation form over your head, and you sort of <laughs> shook your head, and you're like, no, 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 no. What changed your mind? Because you're here of your own volition now. So, well, my boss told me. I oh, fun! No, that's a joke. That's a joke. That's a joke. <laughs> um, no, I wouldn't say anything necessarily changed my mind. I think I'm naturally kind of a very shy person. Mm. So it was just immediate hesitancy. I think that's what like I fall back into going into. But um, I actually love. Fun thing is, like, I grew up with a lot of social anxiety. And, you know, me trying to fight the social anxiety growing up was, well, just embracing always talking and sharing stories yeah. and all of that. So you now I the think, right place. Yeah. So now, like, you know, the opportunity came. Like, oh, I actually sounds pretty cool. So I'm going to try it out. It's exposure therapy. That's exactly. exactly. Literally what it is. Yeah. Now, did you grow up here in Charlotte? I did not. I'm originally from New Orleans, Louisiana. All right. Yeah. Great. I'm going there in January for the first time. I've been just once for like a day trip, Okay. but I've got a few days in January, so I'm going to need some some tips Absolutely. if you've got some. Yeah, I got a top 20 restaurant list to try. Oh my gosh, yes, please. And yeah. you're going to hit all of them. We're going to hit them one all in four days. Other. I love oh, it. Man. Four days, so, you can definitely do that. Oh, yeah. 20 in four days? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Half of the them ma- are breakfast joints. <laughs> and the majority of them in New Orleans are like within a four-mile radius oh, of each perfect. other. So. Well, we're not going to get our steps in then. <laughs> no. You're just going to roll from one place to the other. That's fair. Basically be rolled. Or you can get on a carriage. And have a horse take you. You can do you that. You know Fancy. my husband. We're gonna be on bikes. That's so true. We'll oh yeah, New Orleans. New Orleans is a huge biking city. We'll be on bikes. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's gonna be great. Can okay. we roll around with a drink in our hand? In, our in New Orleans, you can. Yeah. All right, perfect. Yep. Ooh, social distance. I'll be fine. All day. I'll be fine. <laughs> anyway, enough about that. Uh, Community Matters Cafe. Uh, Abby, you actually had the pleasure of going uh, to have lunch with your mom. I did. So maybe just d- jump in. All tell right, us let about me, the experience. Let me just walk you through this, okay? So it's situated. You can literally see the Bank of America Stadium right there. It's right across the oh, street, wow, okay. like right off Moorhead kind of area. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you're like, oh, this seems like a perfect place to like get ready to 
go enjoy something uptown, you know, yeah. or, or between meetings uptown or something. And so you walk in, and at first, I don't I don't know what I expected. It's a really big space. It's huge. It's nice. huge. There's plenty of seating. There is, when you first walk in, there's like this the cafe at the top level. Mm-hmm. And so it's got this really cool, like, industrial chic, but it's also really comfy because they've got, like, these, these warm, velvety kind of chairs oh, yes. in there with, like, high backs. I saw people working on laptops in the corner. Okay, I saw so other it's like a coffee meeting. shop. Kind of yeah, thing. at the okay, top sweet. level. And then if you go down, it becomes more more of like kind of it's got that southern charm to it again it gets a little warmer and then it's just huge there's so many tables and just it's it's great southern cooking and and just like elevated and fresh and delicious i mean i had a great time and there were so many people there was popping at lunch okay cool it was absolutely busy and at one point i even said like oh if chef's in the back i'd love to say hi and then somebody came there like chef is very busy right now and i was like (laughs) i i would expect that given the current state (laughs) of the the lunch rush i would expect that so i was like no biggie like i don't have to but like we've learned we got to go either early or really late if we want to chat with anybody that's right all righty well I am here at Community Matters Cafe, and I'm here with my mom. Say hi, mom. Hello. And boy, it is packed. There are so many people here um, that you know seem to come from all different walks of life. Some folks are working on laptops. Some people are, uh, you know, meet, having work meetings. Some people are just sitting, enjoying, listening to music or playing on their phone, and it's wonderful. So I'm really looking forward to uh, our food coming out and see how that is. Alrighty, so we've just got our serving of Johnny puppies, which are like hush puppies, and you can you cut them open. They're so light and fluffy, and they're filled with corn and peppers, and they're beautiful. And they're served with this butter that looks like it has like grated ginger into it. It's got you know the, the fibers of that. It's beautiful. Mmm. The Johnny puppy itself is so light and so good. It is just bursting with flavor. I love a good hush puppy anywhere, anytime. What do you think? How do you like it? This is not your ordinary hush puppy. Tell me more. I think it's so elevated. It's just crispy and delicious on the outside. The flavor is off the charts. And it's just a delight. Yeah, you know, and this this butter that's mixed with it. When I tasted it alone, I thought it was a little overpowering with the, kind of that gingery flavor. But when you combine it with the actual Johnny puppy, it, it's perfect. It's so well balanced. I love it. Wow. All right, they're setting the bar really high with our starter. Wow. Okay, dinner is served, or lunch, I suppose. So we have our tahini Brussels sprouts with Aleppo sauce. And like I see red pepper flakes. They're fried, crispy Brussels sprouts. They look incredible. Um, and we've got that on the side of our BLT, which is on like massive, massive brioche, um, grilled and looks absolutely incredible. Um, Mom, you're trying the Brussels sprouts right away. You just jumped right in. How are they tasting? Don't talk to me right now. <laughs> She's so into it. She says, don't talk to me right now. They, I mean, you're just digging through it. Like, these seem to be amazing. All right, I got to try good. some. I love the texture. I'm, I was looking for more... More sauce. More saucy flavor because I can see it on there. Maybe I just hit a dry spot. Maybe, because I got some good sauce. I, they're not overly dressed, which to me is very important. I want to taste the Brussels sprout. I don't want it drowning yeah. in sauce. I'm really that. digging it. Really good. Yum. Yeah, that's really, really good. The tahini is like a nice, rich flavor, but it's not overpowering. It doesn't cut too much of the natural bitterness of the Brussels sprout. It's really good. It's got like a nice sweet note to it. 
It's really good. Wow. Mm-mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Slam dunk. Brussels sprouts. All right. So next up, on special right now is a summer corn salad. It's the end of summer. I don't want to miss out on that opportunity to get all the peak of freshness, right? So we've got this beautiful corn salad. It's also got fresh tomatoes. It's got radish. It's got red onion. It's got like, what do you think this is? Like a queso fresco? It's a, it's a white crumbly cheese. So maybe not, maybe not quite a feta, but it's close to a feta. Um, and it comes with a jalapeno lime dressing. Wow. You can definitely taste the lime in that. That banged. That's really good. Okay, that's going to hit. I can't wait to try that. And then we've got that BLT is our main for today, and I just can't wait to break into it. But first, I'm going to dress. Do you want me to toss the dressing onto it, or do you want to dip into it? Yeah, I'm going to toss it. Okay, great. Let's do it. Let's just start here and work our way around. All right. I can't wait to dig into this because it's just beautiful. It's got red rumming and other... Oh, my gosh. Okay. Mm. Now that's a salad. The corn is nice and sweet. Tomatoes are fresh. Very refreshing summer dish. Absolutely. Very refreshing summer dish. I agree completely, and I'm going to eat another bite of it before I break in to the BLT. Mm. These tomatoes, a little bit of corn. So good. So good. Distribution of flavors. Yeah, I think they chopped up really nicely and then you get something in every bite. It's got sweetness, it's got the zip um, acidity from the dressing, it's got that nice. Yeah, exactly. The onion's nice and crunchy and adds a little bit of sweetness as well. There's a little bit of teeny tiny chopped red pepper in here too. Um, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. What a great salad. Digging that. Yeah, make sure you get one of those tomatoes. Southern tomatoes, you can't beat them. You can't beat southern tomatoes and southern corn, right? So good. I would, I would happily eat just corn and tomatoes, no problem. I have done. All right. Well, why don't we break into this BLT? Why don't you swing this over my way? There you go. All right. All right. Yeah, bring me the Brussels sprouts because you're gonna eat them all, and I want more of them. Okay. Boy, howdy. Okay, this is an absolutely massive sandwich. I would love to say that I could unhinge my jaw like a snake to eat this. I don't think I can, but I'm gonna try my very best here because it's it is everything you want in a BLT, right? Mm. Mm. There's like a sweet jam kind of situation on here. Oh my god, the tomato jam is incredible. It's not just your your regular type of BLT. Wow, that is so good. Mm. And the fact that it's a brioche, it's so light and fluffy. It looks too big to eat, but because it can, it's so fluffy, you can condense it down. Oh my god. Again, Chef Kyle is really nailing all of the balances of flavor here. He's hitting sweet and salty. And he's getting a little bitterness from like the char on the on the bread, but he's the smokiness of the bacon and the chewiness of the bacon with the crispness of the lettuce. I'm just in heaven. This is they are perfect, absolutely perfect. Oh my god, this is this is absolutely one of the best BLTs I've had in a long, long time. Wow. All right, it's your turn. You need to try it. It just looks like it's impossible. I know you think that, right? But yeah, somehow we all make it through. 
bacon first. Life shorty, bacon first. Applewood smoked, right? It's the best. Mm. It's gonna take me a while. Oh, I know. Oh, it's good. Look at my range of the tomato now. Yeah, I know. Oh, you, yeah? Oh, man. Did you get the tomato jam? I just got the tomato jam, and if that's what it is, it, there's maybe some other sauce in there that's just... I think there's a mayo up top. There must be. I think it's that black garlic mayo. Oh, you're right. Ooh, mayo. black garlic mayo. That's delicious. you got to try another bite so you can get some of yours. Oh, yeah. Because that's really good. I'm on it. All right, here we go. Well... I gotta tell you, I mean, I'm definitely still planning on getting a pastry before we leave, but so far, so good. This place is incredible. All the food is top tier. Again, this is an amazing mission. This organization has a real purpose, and everyone here is just so enthusiastic about the work that they're doing, and um, you just get a really good, positive vibe from the whole place, and everyone who is here is, is happy and not going away hungry. That much I can tell you. There are very generous servings. All right, Community Matters Cafe. I am coming back, like, a lot. This is my new go-to place. Well, Chef, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the, the you know, hospitality industry, how you got into cooking. Yeah, so, you know, originally grew up in New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, you know, I always tell everybody in New Orleans, in reality, I grew up in this little town called Laplace, Louisiana, which is about 20 minutes outside of New Orleans. But the way New Orleans city is spaced about I'm part of greater New Orleans mm -hmm. but you can also be a part of another city and be part of greater New Orleans yeah sure. that's a Houstonian so I yeah, feel it's you just like that, yep. it's just like that and so um I grew up in like uh kind of like southern suburbs so it was like nearby you you know like a lot of cotton fields sugar cane fields and then you take 20 minute drive over the Bonacary spillway and you're in like uptown downtown New Orleans cool um so Grew up always, like, just with the New Orleans culture. New Orleans culture is centered around food, mm -hmm. festivals, and enjoyment. Um, so, you know, that, just growing up with that, it didn't matter what occupation or whatnot, your livelihood was centered around that in some capacity. Mm -hmm. um, so growing up, come from a pretty big family. I'm one of six, four sisters, one other brother. <laughs> and we were always, we were homeschooled. And we were put into a lot of extracurricular activities as mm -hmm. kids. My forte was baseball and uh, music, so I did... Uh, Played jazz and like saxophone, piano, harmonica. Um, played baseball from five till sophomore year of high school, and uh, I really want the school high school experience right. And my uh, my two older sisters enrolled in a art school called NUCA, New Orleans Center for Creative Arts, and uh, it was a it was like a half day school where you could either go full time for school and your art, or just go for your art mm -hmm. and commute from another school. Mm -hmm. um, and so. And it was really famous for their jazz and classical media arts, creative writing, dance, and drama. A lot of famous artists went there as kids. Mm. So, uh, like, Harry Connick Jr., uh, Wendell yeah. Pierce, Anthony Mackie, uh, John This Batiste. is an institution. Yeah. yeah. It's from the, starting the, I want to say in the 60s. That's I'm um, still going on. John Batiste, uh, graduate from there, Trombone Shorty. Um, uh, Terrence Blanchard, um, who made all the music for all Spike Lee's films. Oh, and cool. did the soundtrack for the... Disney Pixar movie Soul. Yeah. Um, I actually graduate with his daughter. Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, so if they were famous artists from New Orleans, they went through that there. Was it. Um, like Lucky Day. I don't know if y'all know who that is. He's a modern like R and B singer. Went through that school. Oh, I know but, what I'm doing later. Bye bye. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so um, they my sisters went there for media arts and creative writing, and I just really wanted to go. And didn't matter for what I wanted to go mm -hmm. get a actual school experience. 
Um, so I tried out for the jazz program because I played the saxophone and the piano, and I sucked. <laughs> um, it's, it's, I mean, the level that you're supposed to come in at 13, 14 years old was just sure. way, above wow. what I, way beyond what I was at at that point. And I didn't have the passion for it either. So mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I'm just going to look down the list. And it was a public school, so you got in by tryout. Okay. Um, so I looked down the list of all the disciplines and what the requirements were to get in. And at the very bottom, there was a new discipline, which was culinary. And the only requirement was a resume and an interview. And so I'm like, I can do that. So I did that, and I got into a two-week summer session, um, which was basically just like crash course in the fundamentals of culinary arts and bacon and pastry. And I absolutely fell in love with it. And at this, I was in eighth grade, so I was 12. And the following year, Emeril Lagasse, um, you know, Emeril Lagasse came oh, yeah. out of New Orleans. Bam. Exactly. A lot of people, fam fame. I hate the fact that so many people don't remember that. Oh, that's the OG. Classic. That is the yeah. OG. Classic. Yeah. Um, and so he actually donated a mil- $1.5 million to build a state-of-the-art kitchen at the program. Wow. Um, so we could have it. at the right time. Yes. So they have it year-round at the school, like throughout the school year. So I went with that. Um, he brought in one of his former executive chefs from his Las Vegas restaurant, a lady named Dana Dianzi Tui, who was, to my knowledge, the first female executive chef in the Las Vegas Strip. Wow. And she had graduated from NOCO um, a while back in their dance program, and a career path led her to culinary arts, and so she came back to open and teach the culinary program. So um, I did that from eighth grade till I graduated throughout high school. Had a lot of great experiences with that. Um, you know, really, you know, found my passion, found um, where, you know, my why was in life. Mm. Um, I always used to say, because I was, I was a very good baseball player. And one day my dad asked me, like, why did I didn't stick with baseball instead of um, cooking? And so my answer was, cooking was the first thing that I did that I wasn't afraid to fail at. Because I had really bad social anxiety as a kid. Um, I have now what I know is panic attacks pretty frequently. Yeah. Um, I was always afraid to mess up. Um, and so, and I had that even with things that I enjoy. But when I was cooking, I would mess up. And it would just like drive me to be better tomorrow in excitement as opposed to out of fear. That's so interesting. So when I felt that, I just grabbed onto it as a kid and just like carried carried that throughout the rest of the time. So I did a was able to do a lot of work um, in New Orleans uh, with different events because we, the attachment that we had with Emeril Lagasse. So oh. as a kid, I did a lot of stuff with Emeril Lagasse Foundation. So me and my classmates always volunteer with his big year festivals like Beer, Bourbon, and Boudin, which was a big street festival where they um, close off like a good portion of Bourbon Street and they have like booths and food tents and stuff that we'd volunteer with. Then his big fundraiser of the year, which was Carnival Devin, where each year he'd bring in like six or eight big celebrity chefs. So like between 13 till 17, I got to work with Wolfgang Puck, uh, Mark Fergione, uh I want to say Thomas Keller was there one year. Wow. Anthony Bourdain was there one yeah. year. Oh my gosh! Um, you know, just, some just small yeah. names. Uh, yeah. You know, no in, insane, insane names and people who, as a kid, I really had no yeah. idea. Right. Um, I remember Tyler Florence taught me how to quenelle. Oh, oh my god! I love this. Yeah. Um, so it was really cool, and so that just exposed me to a lot in the industry. I got to work with a lot of different types of cuisines and whatnot, outside of just being trained in classical uh, Creole and Cajun cuisine, which there is a difference. I'm not going to go into that. Right now, unless y'all have time. That's but episode two. Yeah, uh, <laughs> okay. huge difference between Cajun and Creole cuisine. Oh, yeah. And so um, studied in that, and I ended up getting a scholarship to go to Johnson & Wales through the school. Cool. Um, and so I was originally supposed to go to the Providence campus, mm-hmm. and me and my family even did a tour there. Um, and so based on the work that I did through uh, NOCA, um, because we followed the Johnson & Wales curriculum, 
So I'd actually went through all the Johnson Wells you came in curriculum. Already know. Like I did, found out later. Like speaking the language and then taking that class. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I found out later that the, based on the amount of curriculum that we went through and the testing that we did, I already had what would be equivalent to like you a bachelor's been, in culinary yeah. arts. Oh my gosh. You by could the be time teaching the classes by then. And so, um, but with that, I was able to do a fast track program at Johnson & Wills where I could do my whole freshman year in two months over a summer. Love awesome. that. So as soon as I finished NOCA, I came here in Charlotte because Charlotte was the only campus that offered it. Oh, cool. So, and after the first two weeks, I'm like, I'm not going to Providence <laughs> from here. This is way closer to home. It's warm weather. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm. it's still considered the South, I guess. Um, yeah. So I want to stick with that. Yeah. So I just stayed down here. Um, so that was in 2015. I graduated. Uh, with my associate in culinary arts and my bachelor's in food service entrepreneurship in 2018. Um, and yeah, and so from there, just kind of like the ran with it and, history. you know, got a lot of uh, experience, got a lot of um, great connections through Johnson and Wales mm-hmm. and have been able to catapult that into where I'm at now at the cafe. Yeah. Now talk to us about Community Matters Cafe. What is it? So Community Matters Cafe, um, which came about in April of 2019, is a nonprofit organization that is in direct connection with the Charlotte Rescue Mission. Charlotte Rescue Mission is another nonprofit that works with men and women who are going through uh, rehabilitation from substance abuse and active addiction. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a six-month program where um, completely free of charge, men and women come, they are, they're housed, they're physically taken care of, but also mentally and spiritually taken care of. Mm-hmm. So we train them to, this is the rescue mission, trains them to, um, you know, find dependency away from drugs and alcohol, um, find better answers for themselves of what led them down that path, find the mental health that they need, um, shelter, um, takes care of all their medical needs, their legal needs, um, whatever, getting them right on track. Because it's hard to, you know, find security in life if you're also battling addiction. So to tell someone like, oh, just go get a job or you need to take care of your kids and you're fighting these mental and physical demons daily, in doing that. So we try to like take care of all those other things so they can fully focus their time on taking care of, you know, getting past this addiction that a lot of them may have been dealing with since childhood. The Mm -hmm. average age uh, for addicts, the average age of when they first experimented with drugs or alcohol is about eight or nine years old. The average age when they become regular users is about 11 to 12. Then the average age of when they become full on addicts is 14 to 15 years old. That's heartbreaking. And so the average age of the people that are entering our program is for men about 40 and for women about 37. Um, So you can imagine. You've been battling for a long time. And you're also stunted by that time of using hard drugs and alcohol throughout that long of your life. So a lot of them have the mental or emotional capacity of children Mm -hmm. by the time they come in. So we help them. Um, rehabilitate their life into a place where they can be, you know, functioning members of society and also just functioning members in their own household and in their own mind of, you know, having a sense of purpose and direction of where to go to without thinking that they need this to overcome whatever um, battles that they're facing. So what the cafe does is, so after six months in the rescue mission program, we have our men's program, which is called Rebound, and our women's program, which is called Dove's Nest, um, they can enter the CAFE program, which was called our life skills program. So we've discovered that a lot of the men and women were relapsing after the rescue mission program because they were entering back into a world that was not fit for their sobriety. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, on the way here, I, there was three, um, three of the uh, trolley cars that passed by with, you know, um, brandings of alcohol on them, yeah. right? And, you know, it's not everywhere. that that's like a bad thing, but, you know, that could be easily somebody's temptation, somebody's mm-hmm. falling point just seeing that. Um, so we wanted to better equip them in a way to where they could face these regular everyday temptations 
in life and still feel very secure in their sobriety. Um, a lot of it dealing with stress and anxiety. So we thought, what is the most stressful and anxious-filled industry that we can control and put them in and the help exposure, exposure there. Yeah, there <laughs> And that is, is hospitality. Yeah. Um, so uh, the cafe, the, as you said, the building that you're in was huge. So the building's about 100 years old. And, uh, oh, dang. I'm going to get corrected on this, but I'm pretty sure it was an old textile mill. Okay. That tracks for that Charlotte. Right. Very common yeah. for Charlotte. So yeah. I And the rescue mission has always owned that, and it used to just be used for storage. So in uh, 2017 or 2018, when they had the idea for the cafe, they gutted it out. So all, I like how you said, like had like had that old timey feel. So all the same foundation that's there is the original foundation because it's considered a historical landmark. So yeah. it can't be taken down. Can't touch that. So all the foundation, all that woodwork and stuff is basically the same. It's stunning. Um, it is safe to go in there though, guys. <laughs> um, and so they gutted out and they're like, this can be it. Like we, this can be a cafe. Like this could be a restaurant. Um, I mean, the parking, I mean, we, I think we Ample. have like 70, Is there Ample. 75 or 80 parking spots. I Dang. Think. Yeah. I'm telling you. That's yeah. for uptown anywhere. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. perfect. Yeah. It yeah. is. And then right next to the stadium, too. Um, so No tailgating. No. no tailgating, unfortunately. There's a sign. Got no it. tailgating. Got it. No tailgating. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. That's a, I'm telling you all this now. It's an awkward thing to have to kick tailgaters out of your parking lot. I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, um, they need to come inside, sit down, and eat. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like um, respectable people. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, uh the cafe is an additional six-month part of the program where when or if they join it, um, what it does is it teaches them life skills, which is the basic everyday things I think a lot of people who are in stable living situations take for granted. Mm-hmm. It's um, Even though at the same time, I think there's a lot of things that stable people don't take for granted. Don't don't take into their livelihood. Yeah. Um, so it's you know managing your stress, understanding what's stressing you out, or what are um, triggering situations for you. Um, proper forms of communication, um, conflict resolution. You know, working well with teammates. How to be a good leader. How to be a good um, subordinate or follower. Um, treating others with respect. Treating yourself with respect. Um, you know, talking positivity into your life. Um, you know, managing work and a job and family. All these things. So that's like a classroom setting where they learn these skills. And then in the cafe, they will take those things that they learn and they'll be implemented in the cafe and they'll work throughout the cafe in every department for those six months. So they'll be host, barista, server, busser, dishwasher, line cook, prep cook, um, pastry assistant. And us as full-time staff and the managers act as educators for them in those situations. And inevitably, stressful situations are going to come up. It's still a full-service restaurant and cafe. Um, We still still deal with guests in the public um, and that we deal with each other. And these are a lot of men and women who, for the most part, are at max by the time they get to us, six months sober Mm -hmm. um, after years, if not a lifetime, of being full on addicts. Mm -hmm. So this is a culture shock for them. Mm -hmm. So when those situations come up, we as staff who've been trained in life skills, re-implement those life skills and, you know, we'll slow down and be like, okay, why do you feel like this? Like, why are you stressed out right now? Uh, What are these... What is, what is the um, active skills that we can use to help in this situation? How can we better communicate how we're feeling? Um, and really taking those steps to slow it down. So after six months, you know, they at least have the necessary tools and steps to when, again, another stressful situation comes up in life, they can go back to the things that they have not only have learned and read, but have practiced and seen and been implemented for them yeah. in their lives. And, and even beyond that, what I think is so amazing about this program is that that they're gaining all of these skills that you can apply to every aspect of your life, but you're also gaining, uh, you know, parts of your resume that you can bring along because 
hospitality is everywhere. Yep. So wherever you go in life, you can be a server, you can go bus tables, you can work in a kitchen. Like there are always going to be needs there. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're building those skill sets as well. And I think that's amazing for our community to continue building that out. Well, and I have folks that I think I'd like to put in that classroom setting to learn how to deal with people. <laughs> I think, I mean, that's invaluable. And I think you know, even outside of that program, those are skills that everyone can do better with yeah. when you're getting upset, when you are dealing with conflict, be it at home or at work. I mean, that's the stuff that if you learn how to handle it, everything else that could be much, much harder starts to feel a little bit less like it's it's too heavy to carry. Absolutely. Right. So yeah. starting with that foundation, I mean regardless of what your station in life is, that's that's huge. That's a game changer. I well, think that's why we're all in therapy. Well, I, I completely agree with all of that that you just said, and this gets me wondering how prevalent are programs and experiences in cafes like this, to your knowledge? Um, to my knowledge, not excessively. At so least why in, is that? This and not a great. free programming. You know, we're a nonprofit, and every penny that you spend at the cafe goes directly back into our programming that we do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we house our students. Um, we give them um, travel fare um, stipends, uh, you know, food, legal fees, medical fees. So if children, we help take care of that, like anything and everything that has nothing to do with their sobriety, we help take care of now, not, you know, you know, just like coddling them and holding their hand where they don't have to deal with life, but like, you shouldn't have to wonder where your next meal is coming. You shouldn't have to wonder if, you know, electricity is going to be on or where you're going to sleep that night or, any of those necessities mm-hmm. and try to stay sober. Yeah. So we try to take care of all those things and put them in a place of comfort where they're still working, you know, and still like learning these good skills, um, but feeling safe and secure in doing them. Absolutely. Um, but to answer your question, like uh, I don't, I think there's one that's very, very closely similar to us out in California. Um, but in terms of the East Coast, um, I think we're the only thing like it that what we do. Um, and there's another place kind of similar to us that's doing great things out in Texas um, that specifically works with at-risk youth. Mm-hmm. Um, that is also a restaurant in the same style and, like, teaches them and shows them life skills and whatnot. But in terms of, like, exactly what we do, like, you know, in terms of, like, you know, you go through sobriety and then you get to go through this program and we take care of you all the way through um, and give you these job and life skills, I don't, I don't know if there's anything else that's doing that. How many folks have gone through that program to date? You said they opened in 2019. Yep, April 4th, 2019. How, what, what sort of like of numbers have you guys seen that you've been able to sort of graduate? Of impact? Gra- yeah, graduate, yeah. I guess, or, or whatever, transition to the next step. Um, I would say to give ballpark numbers, we've probably had close to, I don't know, 400 people enter wow, the program. Amazing. Okay. And I would say we've had, Roughly around 200-something graduates. Got it. Um, and that number probably sounds a little alarming. Like, oh, man, you've had 200 people, like, not make it all the way through the program. Um, again, like, this is a very small period of their life yeah. in the program. Again, like, you know, let's say you've been an addict for 20 years, and you come to us, and you've only been clean for six months. A lot of our students have been – because you can only go through the CAFE program um, one time. Like, right. if, if you get, like, kicked out or if you relapse, then you can only go through it once. Um, but – Rebound and Dozeness, the sobriety portion of the program, you can go through that as mm-hmm. many times. So the majority of our students have been through their those programs multiple times, because yeah. um, that's just that's the reality that's of sobriety. Of it. It's yeah. you know it's 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 not always linear. Like you know sometimes it's you'll have good days, bad days, good years, bad years. Mm-hmm. The part of it that's important is to always keep fighting, always keep moving forward with it. Um, so we have actually seen a huge increase in the amount of students who have remained sober for longer periods of time since the opening of the cafe. Um, 
So and that was a hard part for me. Like when, you know, I always talk to new employees that come in. Um, a hard part for me was when there's the first student that you go grow close with mm. that relapses. Because to us, I mean, yeah, they're students, but these are still grown adults, sure. right? And, you know, whatever addiction looks like to you, you know, probably wash that notion away because, you know, these are these are your moms, your dads, your brothers, your sisters, your uncles, yeah. your cousins, your best friends. These people that you may have never known were, like, going through these battles and whatnot who put, you know, who decided to take the next step and be like, you know what, I'm going to go and get help. Because our only requirement for entering the rescue mission program is you have to be two weeks clean and uh, you have to go under your own free will. Okay. Like, your your mom and dad can't force you to go into there. Mm. Um, your best friend, your husband, your wife, like, you have to say, I want to do this yeah, for myself. Because you have to put in the work. You have yeah. to put in the work. No one's there to do it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, to... You know, see some people that you grow close with over time. You get to know, you hear their stories, and then to see them, I won't say fail, but slip up in that moment in time and be removed from the program and, you know, see a lot of their hard work for that time be put away. It's a hard thing to deal with. Um, you know, it's, it can be, you know, heartbreaking and stressful, um, but nothing nothing feels better than those moments when those students graduate mm-hmm. or you have a student who graduated and they come back and you haven't seen them in a while and they're you know, just not only the physical transformation of being clean and the mental transformation, but just the spirit and the glow of them to see them happy and healthy and doing well and knowing what this place has done for them. But for us to see, like, that does something for us as staff to see what we do with these students and see how they improve their lives. Yeah. It's got to be just an incredibly difficult balance between those two things of feeling such a weight of responsibility and in doing whatever that you can to help folks that still have to help themselves, you know, but also being able to see those success stories. I I just imagine that, I mean, as a, as a person who works in a relatively stressful industry anyway, how does that impact you on a day to day? I mean, just knowing that you won't be able to anticipate what that next day is going to look like for the folks that you're working side by side with. I mean, how do you mentally prepare for that sort of situation? I believe you said panic attacks. <laughs> well, yep, yep, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Which actually, you know, that I like to, you know, when people ask me that question, I've gotten a lot. You know, I tell people that like the cafe as an employee will expose you like a nerve mm. because constantly seeing these skills that we're trying to teach these people to change their lives, right? you know, you then start to see and unravel the parts of your life that you need to fix and change. Oof. And so you might be teaching them one thing. You're like, oh, damn. Like, <laughs> Who am I to teach I, this like, man, right I, now? <laughs> that's, I'm, I'm just as much as fault. Like, do I have control issues? Yeah. Right? Do I have unchecked, like, mental disorders that, you know, I've always put aside and just put away as, like, quirkiness or something that is now negatively affecting my life? Um, being at the cafe pushed me into checking, um, getting, like, my mental health and stuff checked out. And I found out that I had um, severe adult ADHD, which never, but it, yeah. it, you know, when I got checked, it all made sense. The things all lined up for you. Yeah. At that point. Yep. You're not alone in that. I have yeah. a lot of folk, folks as adults who struggled with that, especially women. Women are yeah. severely underdiagnosed yeah. with ADHD. So that, I mean, just feeling like there's a reason behind why I am this way. It's yeah. got to be validating as hell. Right? It, it really is. Um, and now I have the knowledge to find the right tools to help me through yes, that and absolutely. to help me operate on on the level Instead that I just coping right exactly yeah. which is what I was doing the majority of the time so um it is very stressful um but we have to as staff um as many tools and places we do for the success of the students which is why 
as as an employee of the Charlotte Rush Commission and the cafe is the greatest job I've ever had because they care about us as employees and they're like, well, if we're having you help people get healthy, you need to be healthy as mm -hmm. well. And not just like, oh, be healthy, but here are the tools, here are some things. So we're given uh, free counseling and therapy through the cafe and our Amazing. benefits package. Um, <laughs> we're constantly, um, you know, pushed to, you know, have, you know, the respect of work-life balance. Mm -hmm. um, I remember once my first year as executive chef, because I came in as a line cook, mm -hmm. but my first year as an executive chef, uh, my current boss, uh, I say my current boss like she's going somewhere. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. So my boss, uh, Ashley Anahovis, um, she, my first year as, a, or as head chef, um, I think I used one day of PTO Oops. the whole year. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I don't think she like paid attention to it throughout the year. And I was putting in like 60 hour, 50 hour wow, weeks. Wow, you were grinding. And because um, it was also during COVID. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so she came to the year's end and she looked, she's like, Kyle, is this right? Like, did you use only one day of PTO? I was like, well, yeah, like we were busy. She said, if you ever do that again, <laughs> I will not only write you up, but I will force you to take the time off. Yeah. That's good. a good boss. Love her. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, yeah, like pushing us to like, you know, have the respect of like leaving work at work and um, home at home, but enjoying work at work and enjoying home at home as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, constant check-ins, a lot of meetings, a lot of like one-on-ones about like actually like, you know, not just like, how are you doing? And you can just reply like, oh, I'm fine or oh, I'm okay. But um, like, how is your soul? Like, how is your, like, how, how are you, how is the heaviness of your spirit right now? Because of how much we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, um, I mean, might be a little excessive to share, but like we've had, you know, we've had, had residents die. Yeah. From from Oding and whatnot, it's a reality of the work that we yeah. do, yeah. and that's a heavy thing. You working with a guy for four or five months who you've gotten to know him, his family and stuff has come and visit him, and then like you get the call that like that that happened. That's a hard thing to deal with. So you know, having that extra care of our own mental, physical, and spiritual health as well has been important, and that's put a big focus on my personal life of taking account of those things. And you know, you know, because I, I am a self proclaimed workaholic. Um, which is something I'm trying to really reel back on that should not be a personality trait. Um, <laughs> I hear that. So, you know, holding myself accountable with that because I can't help these students to the best of my abilities if I'm not helping myself to the best of my abilities to be in a healthy and stable state of emotional being in mind. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Walk walk. Absolutely. And one of the ways that we as community members in Charlotte can support the mission is by going to the cafe yes. and ordering some delicious food. So can we please just talk about some of the amazing yeah. things on this menu? Yeah, absolutely. Because like I said, I went with my mom and we had an incredible time. So I'm going to talk through a couple of things that we had, but also I'd love to hear from you, Chef Kyle. What are the other like must-try things? Now a lot of things make sense on that menu, like the New Orleans like chicken sandwich. I'm yeah. like, all right, now oh, I yeah. hear that. I wish I'd ordered it. I did order the Johnny Puppies. Nice. Um, because I'm a huge Hush Puppy fan coming so from So is it like a Johnny Cake meets a Hush Puppy? That's okay. exactly, exactly what it is. Exactly. It. So, you know, amazing. And they came out, and they're just fluffy and perfect, and they are filled with, like, corn and peppers, and then they're served with this amazing ginger honey butter. Oh, yep. Now, let me just start like this. I tried the ginger honey butter on its own first, and I'm like, oh, that's a little strong for me, like, because I'm mm. sensitive to ginger. Mm -mm. As soon as I put that on there, oh, it yeah. just melted, and it was perfect. Now. In Incredible, absolutely outstanding. That was just like we're. I saw them, so I said I have to get them because yeah. I have to. And Something just different too. Started, I enjoy that. Yeah, you can't find. You probably can't find that anywhere else. I don't Charlotte. think you can. Not like that. No. So I mean, that already just just set the stage for me. And of course, they have like amazing, like like itty bitty, plain, uh, super super tightly 
chopped. I don't know the words for it. Chipinage. There you go. There you go. Culinary term 101. scallions like on top. Oh, yeah. Just incredible. On the bias. Yes, on the bias. It was perfect. It was so perfect. And so we also were recommended the summer corn salad that was seasonal, right? We're yep. at the end of summer, and I, I told her. I know. I told my mom. <laughs> I do I was, this every This time. is what we do. Well, thankfully, Shipkab brought us some snacks. We'll he get did. to that. Stoked. Hold your tummy. <gasps> Just hold on. Just okay. hold that tummy for a couple more minutes. Okay. Let me talk about this salad because okay, it was banging. Okay, go. All right. Jalapeno lime dressing. Oh. Stop, right? Amazing. And it was just an ode to summer. It just ended. So walk me through the salad a little bit, Chef. What's on there? Yeah, so it's uh, roasted corn. All of them, every ingredient that's on there is locally sourced. Oh, yeah. Um, from farmers within like a 20, 30 mile radius. I love that. So um, roasted corn, um, local uh, sun gold tomatoes, um, local watermelon radish, mm. um, bell pepper, red onion, um, red leaf lettuce, uh, you know, extra virgin olive oil, lightly seasoned with salt and pepper, um, queso fresco cheese, mm-hmm. and then a uh, jalapeno lime uh, vinaigrette that we make in house. That was so good. Yeah. I Get just... Out of the way of the ingredients. That yes. is, I think, last summer. This this year was really, really good for it, but last summer it was our number one seller outside of eggs. Wow. On the whole menu, I think. I looked at the numbers from last year. I think we sold, like, over 400 just between, uh, like, early June to mid-August, I think we sold like over 400 uh, summer corn salads. It is it is worth it. So get out there quick because yeah. this menu is about to change. Yeah. Got, got about two weeks left. Ooh, okay. better hurry. All right, cool. Kick it. Um, we also had the BLT, which I love a good BLT. We were just trying to see what to do about that. And uh, BLT seemed like a great yeah. sandwich choice. Comes out on like the fluffiest like brioche kind oh. of bread I've yeah. ever had. Oh, it's yeah. been like toasted on each side. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was so good. I saw it and I was like, that's far too big. But no, it's because the bread is so fluffy. You can eat the whole thing. It's fine. And it was just incredible. And uh, you had like a tomato jam on there. It wasn't just the tomatoes. It was tomatoes plus tomato jam. Yeah, I love that. And then there was like a black garlic aioli. That's naughty. I know. (laughs) Chef, you are not playing around. I try not to. Even with the things that you expect, just be like, oh, BLT. No, elevated. Incredible. But accessible to everyone, which I really appreciate about the food here. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, shout out to uh, Vernant Bread. Uh, They supply. Yeah, is amazing. Love those guys. Uh, yeah, they. We got to get them on. We, we really do. Quite a few people. They are look, characters. Like, they are the greatest characters um, that you. You can make meet. us an intro. We can out there. Yeah. Um, so talk to me about maybe the the sort of approach that you take to building the menu because it sounds like there's some New Orleans influence. It mm. sounds like there's some just like general local what's available and fresh influence. But what sort of approach as an executive chef do you take when you're sort of like putting all these puzzle pieces together. Yeah, so I'm very much about cooking with your roots. Um, I think more people should um, highlight where they're from and their experience of how they grew up. Um, Like I said, like I'm from New Orleans, I'm from the Louisiana area. So that is part of my culture. Um, Like that's what I grew up with. Like, you know, I grew up with the red beans and rice every Monday. You know, we go out to cookouts with, you know, crawfish boils, crab boils, um, you know, jambalaya, gumbo, that was common. That wasn't like, oh, specialty thing. Like, nah, oh, that's, like, it. Yeah. that's what's available. That yes. was part of my culture. I didn't realize it was something special till I left New Orleans at 18. Um, so uh, whenever I'm, like, mentoring, like, young cooks from Johnson & Wales or from anywhere, um, that's what I tell them. I say, before you go out and try to perfect somebody else's style of cooking because it was made popular because that's what you think people are going to like, do some research on what you grew up with hmm. and do that at the highest level. So um, I was classically trained in Cajun and Creole cuisine. Um, one of my mentors, a chef named Frank Brightson out of New Orleans, multi-James Beard award-winning chef. Mm-hmm. He worked under Paul Perdome, mm-hmm. helped open K. Paul's, actually, um, and now op- 
now runs uh, Brightsons in New Orleans. He mentored me in that. Um, and the, just the history of Cajun Creole cuisine. And I just love the influence that Creole and Cajun cuisine has in African-American and, Af- um, you know, in free slave cuisine, um, Native American, and then mm-hmm. Spanish, French, um, but also, like, you know, in New Orleans ports, like, they had heavy influence with, like, Vietnamese yeah. and Korean and Chinese cuisine and just the islands and whatnot. So I tried to embrace all of that in every capacity of what it was. And eventually, when I was 19, I did an internship at uh, Shia in New Orleans, um, which is modern Israeli cuisine. And when I was there, they won James Beer for Best New Restaurant. Incredible. Um, that was, like, my first, like, I worked a lot of, like, odd-end jobs and events throughout high school, but this was my first, like, fine-dining job that I got to do. Um, so that exposed a lot. And then as I'm doing that, I realized, oh, man, the, this has a lot of similarities to, like, New Orleans cuisine and, like, either the techniques or some of the flavor profiles that they did or just how they use things. So when I'm looking at a menu, I try to do it based on, like, my literal upbringing where I came from, of like, my foundation of Cajun and Creole cuisine, um, learning, you know, and falling in love and, Israeli and Northern African cuisine mm. and then moving here to the Carolinas where I was exposed to like different ingredients that I've never never tried because New Orleans is the south but New Orleans isn't like southern like anywhere else right New Orleans is almost it's a, its own thing yeah it's almost exactly. to the same degree of like you know Florida's the south but Florida's yeah. not southern exactly. no it's um, not it's <laughs> so, like New Orleans is it's very much its own culture so moving to Charlotte like I discovered like oh like this is the south but it's very different like it's very like mountainous more cuisine and then the coast is you know, not too far away, um, and seeing how they utilize different ingredients. Like, I was exposed to uh, uh, rice grits when I came here, and mm. I, one of my favorite ingredients to use is Carolina Gold yes. um, yeah. Rice Midlands. Um, and so, like, I just found a lot of fun in that. So when I'm looking at the menu, I'm like, all right, where is this part of me personally? Um, what is the seasonality and locality of these ingredients that I'm using? And what is the story I'm telling? There is nothing I don't think I've ever made that did not tell a story of some capacity. Now, I do think there's a place of just making food because it's good and it's going to be tasty. Like, you have to have those parts on the menu. Um, so, like, whether it's like, okay, I'm doing this simple thing, but I'm adding this flair, like the BLT, to show some little bit of complexity of, like, my knowledge of, like, you know, how people are going to taste something, right? Like, you know, you put something sweet on something that's really salty, that's balanced level is going to do something in your brain that's going to make you enjoy it even more if it was just one or the other. Yeah. Um, You know, with the summer corn salad, that was just heavily like, all right, what is seasonal around me right now? I'm going to put that on the menu. The Johnny Puppies, um, which actually are birthed from another, probably our most popular menu item that I just wanted to see how it would do if I took it off, is the Johnny Cake. Mm -hmm. So um, I didn't want to do chicken and waffles on my menu because – First off, chicken and waffles is hell for brunch. It is. <laughs> I, and I go to restaurants and I'll Somebody order. Somebody had to say it. Yeah, I'll go to restaurants and I'll order chicken and waffles. But for the cook, it's awful. No one likes doing it. No. And everybody does it. So I'm like, I, okay, I want to do something that's like a little bit more unique. So I wanted to have something that was a little bit more pastry and then something that was a little on the savory side and combine that. So um, Johnny Cake was something that was like, I felt like it was just common in the South overall. Yeah. Um, but like you said, like the corn and the pepper and stuff. So I have it like folded in with mock shoe. Um, (laughs) and I'm like, all right, what's the meat portion? I'm not going to do, you know, chicken. I'm, we already go through 50, a (laughs) hundred chickens a day. So I'm not going to add that to it. So what else is there? And so I think I'm just randomly like, well, pulled pork is, is good and it's easy and it's cheap. Um, your Carolina is showing. Yeah, yeah, there we go. See, so I did, um, some, uh, slow braised, uh, pulled pork over that with, uh, honey ginger glaze over it and, uh, sunny side up egg. 
Yeah. Uh, and so that was like, you know, the blend of like kind of like a little bit of New Orleans, the South, and then just something that was good and unique. Well, and what I love about this too is just hearing your story and, and what influences you also explains the Brussels sprouts because yep. the Brussels sprouts that I had on the side of my BLT mm-hmm. had tahini and Aleppo. Like yep. that, that makes so much sense now because you had also like the, the oh, Middle cooking East with kind flavor. of upbringing. Yeah, Meat when you do that. I love that. Uh, That's my favorite. <laughs> I know. So um, wait, the Johnny cake went away is what you're saying? For now, it is coming back in the winter, guys. So. But the Johnny puppies are here right now. Okay. So please go enjoy Johnny them. puppies will be leaving for the fall. No. Okay, so right, I whatever. need to go twice. There will be yes. some Johnny yeah. something. Yes. For us. Yes. Okay. All right, I am going to go back and get a couple that more Johnny puppies for the summer. It's so great. Uh, two weeks. I got two weeks. Awesome. What, so, what, yeah, go on. What did you bring us to snack on? Oh, so I brought you some of our famous pastries. Um, so we do all of our – we try to do everything in-house as best of our abilities. Um, and I think we do a pretty good job because most of the things we make in-house are freshly made. So um, our pastry chef – Yes, um, Jeremy Miller, our pastry chef, Jeremy Miller, um, does all of our pastries in house who actually started off as my intern and he was just such a great employee. We're like, all right. He like, he was my culinary intern. We're like, all right, how else can we have him here? And there is a pastry, there's a pastry portion of the job that was open. And, um, he's like, all right, I'll do that. But he had no training in pastry whatsoever. So our current, our then pastry chef, who is now our um, social media and events manager, um, trained him in pastry, and now he's running the whole show. Oh, um, so what you'll have is a molasses cookie sandwich, and then the other one is our most popular and longest standing menu item is a the birthday cake sandwich cookie. Oh. And then I also brought you some of our house um, house roasted and packaged uh, coffee blends. I'm stoked for this coffee. Mm-hmm. Taylor, a cookie's coming your way. Ooh, mm-hmm. it's the ginger cookie. That's mm-hmm. what I'm getting. Mm-hmm. I just love that it's each individual cookie in the sandwich are rolled in that mm. kind of like larger sugar. Yep. And so it gives you a little bit of crunch in yeah, every the single bite. Perfect. And then of course I love a sprinkle cookie. Who doesn't love a sprinkle cookie? It's right? very important that's for universal. my like yeah for my like happiness levels in life. Yep. So I feel like that's fulfilled today. One hundred percent. I feel happier than I was before the sprinkles. From one bite. From one bite. That's, that's all it takes. Guys. All that's I had to do was takes. look at it. Guys, honestly. Just go buy, sp- go it buy some sprinkles. It's, it's shiny and sparkly. Just yeah, the attitude is is a there. Sparkle. What do you think, Taylor? Delicious. That's right. Oh my gosh, so amazing. Shout yeah. out to Jeremy. Hello. Yeah. Thank you, Jeremy, Jeremy, for your service. Thank you. And then you guys, um, you do you roast in house as well? We do. We oh, actually, we, and when you walk in, um, you can see our roaster right there. So people cool. love to watch it. Um, it's a big glass tank, so you can see the beans. They're popping moving, around, and, and we have like a separate. I could be getting this wrong again. This shows how much I know about what we actually are doing. But uh, <laughs> you I, know what you're doing. You know enough yeah. to be dangerous. I'm not worried. <laughs> we have like a separate kind of HVAC system mm-hmm. that um, utilizes it like when we roast our coffee. So you can smell it outside when we're roasting our coffee oh. and in the whole building. Oh, my God. Um, and I do – I don't drink coffee, but I do love the smell of coffee. It's amazing. Who doesn't? It is – it smells so warm and inviting and, and homely. Now, this homey. is packaged like it might be found in a store. Do, do folks – have to go into the cafe to get it, or is this? They do, okay. but we are working on it. Oh, I love that. I love a what's next. Yeah. I love coffee with a story. I mean, I work for a giant food service company, but they do the same thing where they they partner with local vendors that, you know, either family owned, black owned, whatever it is, that have a story to tell. And it just, as a consumer, I think makes it feel like you're doing something important in, in not just in supporting small business, but it's a cup of coffee, right? So. It could just be a routine part of your day, and you could buy the cheapest one that you could find. But for me as a consumer at this point in my life, I think being able to make an incremental tiny little difference wherever you can, I think that's huge. So something as simple as what kind of coffee you're buying at the store 
um, makes a huge difference. Yeah, and again, Community Matters Cafe is not that far no, it's not. from wherever you are. And there's so 90 now, parking spaces. So. You can go in, park, <laughs> grab yourself some coffee to go, and then you can also grab yourself a fresh cup of whatever you like. They've That's also right. got fraps. There's like, it's a full-service coffee bar, y'all. Oh. Have a great time. Now, you've alluded to the fact that you don't know a whole lot, but I think you know more than you're letting on. Um, you've said that you've got some things in the works. Is there anything else sort of planned for Community Matters Cafe? What's coming up for you guys that we can sort of give oh, a little sp- other than the menus changing because yeah. we know that that's coming with the season a um, couple of things so one we're doing a partnership with um, Bay Haven Food and Wine Festival oh, yes. good friends with uh, Greg Collier um, yeah. kind of a mentor of mine coming up um, my my best friend is his chef de cuisine at um, at Uptown Yoke nice um, so we're doing a partner uh, dinner there um, that's right. October 5th um, all natural dinner as part of the Bay Haven Food and Wine Festival Wonderful. buy tickets for it now um, Hurry. Yeah. And then uh, kind of farther into the future in February, so like I lose me and my best friend, uh, uh, Brandon Stadden, um, who we went through Johnson & Wales together. Nice. Um, our, my first job after Johnson & Wales was um, at the Asbury and the Dunhill, mm-hmm. where we both worked together for years. Um, and I'm actually the one who introduced him to Greg, to where now he works and works with closely. Um, and so we came up with a uh, dinner series called History and Homage, um, where – we came, what we aimed to do was we wanted to shine light on historical black chefs and restaurateurs that may have not gotten their roses that were deserving. Um, we were literally just chilling in my kitchen at home and we were just like talking through recipes, talking food. And we came up with that. And like, you know, it'd be dope if we like came up with like a, like a dinner just to bring respect to that. Um, so the first one, which was three years ago, um, it was just me and Brandon. Um, I think we sold like 50 or 60 tickets. We did at the cafe. Um, we, did each did a dish based on another historical black chef. So like um, Leah Chase, Edna Lewis, mm-hmm. Rufus Estes, um, Abby Fisher. And we did a dish composed based upon the work that they've done and how they've shaped the industry today. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so from there, and it was so well received and it was so much fun. Like we got to expand this to something more and not just doing it based on chefs, but also on just ideas around black food and black culture. So the second one we did uh, was on, um, how, you know, food was a connection with um, community, black community. Um, we brought in more chefs, um, Oscar Johnson mm-hmm. and uh, Daryl Cooper from mm-hmm. Jimmy Pro Seafood. Big fans. Um, yeah. two, two of my best friends, really close with those guys. Um, and uh, we just expanded that and we did some things based with that. And then the third year, we got even bigger. I think that one had 10 chefs um, and it was around... Uh, food in relation to black literature. Mm. Um, so we each did a dish based on a black literature, whether it was a book, a poem, a playwright, um, a lyric, whatever. Um, and so, and last year, I think we did, we went from 50 the first year, 70 the second year. It's I think last year we did um, close to like 120 people for like a They're fine growing. dining, sit down dinner. So this year uh, we're looking to, we're about to, we're planning now, what our next one is going to be, and then hopefully we might even expand to past doing it just at Community Matters and just in the state of North Carolina. Ooh, very exciting. Okay, so this. looking forward to February, also looking forward to Bay Haven in October. Where can people follow you, Chef, and also Community Matters Cafe on social and other things to be up to date with these these interesting things or, you know, involved in some way? Anyway. Yeah, so uh, follow Community Matters at Community Matters Cafe on Instagram, um, on Facebook. You can follow me on Instagram at 
uh, at Chef of Valor 25, um, at Chef underscore of underscore Valor 25. Um, that is the Valor is the uh, is the translation of my name, Man of Valor. Mm-hmm. My name is also not spelled K-Y-L-E, as I'm sure the thumbnail will probably <laughs> tell. So for those curious, yes, it is pronounced. I pronounce it Kyle. My name is actually pronounced Kyle. Um, okay. And it's Hebrew name that means Man of Valor. And I try to implement that in everything that I do. That's lovely. Wonderful. It shows. Thank you. And I'll add, I'll add all the tags and stuff for the socials yeah. so that people don't have to translate all that. Uh, important question for you. Yes. You've dropped quite a few names here in the Charlotte community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that like it's tight-knit. It's, it feels smaller and smaller every day, yeah. especially mm-hmm. the more friends that we are fortunate to make. But where are you going to eat? Like, what's your you take spot? off that apron? Yeah, where are you going? Am I just naming one, or I just oh, whatever. Name as, name as many as you want. Okay, um, Uptown Yoke, mm-hmm. um, Lee and Louise. Those mm-hmm. are my people. Yeah, love what they're doing. Love their food. Uh, one of my favorite spots. I love um, a good bami. Oh yeah. Um, Central Tea House on Central. Great bami. Underrated desserts. Okay. Um, and probably the best or second best boba or bubble tea in the mm. city that I've had. Um, uh, Pizzeria Maggio. Yeah, and in a metropolitan, um, yep. love that spot. Th- those are the ones that come like right. Yeah, yeah, those head. are the ones. Yeah, yeah cool. I love that. Cool, awesome. Well, we've started a new series, uh, featured foodie. So, if you ever feel like dragging us along to one of those spots, you know, I've never been to Lee and Louise. What is that what? a crime? That is a yeah, crime. It's a crime. It we is. should make this right, all right cool. ASAP. Well, then we'll fix that. Yeah, uh, and maybe we'll just bring all of our friends with us. I love that create idea. Create a whole thing, but. There's ever a place that you're hitting, you're like, you know what, Abby and Jen need to try this out. Whether it's a hole in the wall or something that's vastly underrated, I think those are the places mm-hmm. that I'm really interested in discovering because the folks that we have on this podcast know what they're talking about. Yeah. So I wanna I wanna help them dig out Educate the good stuff me. in Charlotte, right? So um, more on that to come, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this has been so much fun. I just want to be your friend forever. So <laughs> I hope that you this. feel the same way. <laughs> and he brought us snacks. I mean, that's the fastest that's, that's way the to my heart. Point. That's, yeah. the, that's, that's the beginning. That's actually of our the beginning and the end for me. Like we're solid forever oh, now. We're good. That's it. That's, that's it. All right. Good to know. But small serious note. Thank you so much for sharing what it is that you do. Thank you for doing it. Mm-hmm. I can appreciate how heavy that is to just do day in and day out, but it is important work, and we value that in this community. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Absolutely, I appreciate y'all having me on. Yeah, Chef Kyle Johnson, thank you so much again, and for this here episode, this here batch. <gasps> my oh, you're doing it backwards. I know, my name is Abby. And my name is Jen. This is Amuse Boosh. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. dot com.